0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network
1: Great Moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. If you put
2: your effort and concentration into playing to your potential, to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're gonna be winners. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch because we know When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing.
0: It's down to the wire with with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, Petey! Oh,
2: Petey! On the World Wide Sports Radio Network. And we... Our back, ladies and gentlemen, this is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Mr. Speedy Vibrating Beatty. Yes, he's in the studio with me, as he always is. As you guys know, our number is to call, to, to call the show is 631 965 Remember, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can search us on all the social medias. If you don't have them, you can look for them. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. You could find us and listen to our shows on radio.com, TuneIn Radio and iHeartRadio, and throughout all the podcasts around the country. Speedy, how is your day going? Uh, yesterday, we played a couple of basketball games. And we did and i actually defeated you both games you did yes i did both games but were you three surprised points. were you surprised that i actually competed with you
1: no because i i'm not as good at nba but i was surprised how good defensively you were cuz a lot of times you don't have the instincts or people when they start playing nba right away they try to be all offensive but you were actually really good defensively and i was surprised
2: well you you kept passing the ball to anybody that i was defending and finally I really got so stressed out and so pissed off, I decided to take Speedy out of the game. And that's what I did. I shut Speedy down at the point guard position. And he had to use his forwards... And his center, and he, could, he just couldn't do it. And he
1: shot a lot of threes in the second game. You, well, I don't just pass with my point guards either. You just took away the passing lanes, I guess. Yes, I did. Because I don't try to pass with one person all the time. You know? No, you kept passing on the
2: perimeter. That's right. what you like to do because you want to you have the open three-point shot. But we played video games, and I haven't played video games in a very long time. I played football the other day with him. He whipped my ass. I, I haven't played football in Madden. My brother gave me the new Madden game. I knew nothing. I, I don't even know the buttons. I don't know how to switch uh, tr- you know, I, I couldn't switch any positions or uh, pick the right plays because I didn't even know where the plays were. So I am not what you call a great Madden football um, player. But
1: I The did, playbooks have also gotten worse, though, over the but, years, too. But I, <laughs> I did,
2: I did compete with you. So I did compete. So, but I... In basketball, I know the game a little bit better, right. so I, I competed a lot better against oh Oh, we
1: used to throwback <laughs> rosters, which was interesting because both of us didn't know half of our teams.
2: That's true. That, <laughs> that was that's funny. Tr- that's true. But, again, throwback rosters
1: always fun because, yes, yeah, I had
2: Larry Bird in the Celtics with uh, Mikhail, who absolutely sucked in the game.
1: He was good in the second quarter, and then he was awful in the second half he for whatever was reason. He was awful.
2: He was terrible. Robert, pa- even... Robert Parrish was the tough one for me yeah, to yeah. figure out. You couldn't, <laughs> but yeah, but he only touched the ball maybe seven
1: or eight times, but he scored every single <laughs> time. Yeah, you did, because my freaking big men, for whatever reason, they were rated high, but for whatever reason, just got uh, annihilated by him.
2: Yeah, but uh, we played a couple of video games yesterday, and that's what a lot of people are doing with this COVID-19. They're trying to find things that occupy them, to try to stay away from thinking about and being depressed that there's nothing to do, there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to shop, the only places you can shop is the supermarket or going to the gas station and stop shopping at 7-Eleven. That's about it. Uh, there really is nothing and n- nowhere to go. So obviously everybody's trying to find something to occupy themselves, and, and video games is something that everybody gets into. But I do want to get into this story. And I read a story today on Yahoo about Kevin Garnett. And Kevin Garnett, everybody knows, Tim Duncan – Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant will be inducted to the Hall of Fame eventually this year, whenever it actually goes through. We don't know because of this coronavirus. Uh, It usually happens around, I would say it happens around August or September, right?
1: I think, yeah, I think it's in August. I want to say like August 13th or 14th or something like that. I think it's in August. And
2: Kobe Bryant obviously is going into the Hall of Fame after everything that happened over the last couple of months. And Kobe was supposed to be inducted to the Hall of Fame, possibly the year after. Mm -hmm. And they pushed it up because of everything that happened to him. Uh, So I I think it's a great gesture by the NBA. Which is bizarre because he he retired the same year that Duncan did. It was weird. But I do want to get into this story. Kevin Garnett has spoken out. And everybody knows Kevin Garnett right now does a podcast. He's been doing it for years Uh, If you listen to his podcast, he's very, very funny, very interactive with the fans. But a story came out actually yesterday that the owner, and I'm trying to get the name right here, the owner of the Timberwolves, if I'm not mistaken, get the owner of the Timberwolves over here. I want to get this whole story. I'm going to read this story to everybody. It's a quick story. It's a good story. Glenn Taylor? Glenn, Glenn Taylor, yes. Kevin Garnett does not seem interested in a uh, jersey retirement. Uh, jersey retirement with uh, the Timberwolves. Now, obviously, he he will be inducted into the Celtics Hall of Fame. His jersey will be lifted up to the rafters next year with the Celtics. Kevin Garnett is a legend of basketball, and he and his co- contributions to the game will forever be. Uh, immortalized in in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Garnett is being put in the Hall alongside other legends like Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan. While Garnett won a championship with Boston, he started out his career with the Minnesota Timberwolves. He has had a topsy-turvy relationship with the organization, particularly the owner, Glenn Taylor. In a recent interview with The Athletic, Garnett spoke about how Taylor went against the wishes of himself, and Flip Saunders. Garnett is extremely upset at Taylor and says he doesn't want his jersey retired in the city because he doesn't want to work with a snake. Now, the story was coming out with Kevin Garnett that he would sign with the Timberwolves and retire with the Timberwolves if, after he retired, his jersey would be retired And that he would be a part of the organization. He would work alongside uh, certain people, the owners, the GMs. And he'd have a position with the Timberwolves organization. Which, that did not come true. Because of the owner, Glenn Taylor. Mm -hmm. Now, Glenn Taylor is a very rich man. He's been a part. He's owned the team for over 50 years. Almost 50 years now. And this is a man... That over the years people have complained about around the league. Not about him spending money or him being a good owner. Just the things that have come out of his camp. Things that he said about players. Um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring up stories that I don't know, but this is a multi-billionaire. That there were stories coming out of Timberworld, Timberwolf land, that this man has not only spoken bad about some of the players that he has worked with, but he has spoken bad about legends that he has been part of his organization. Guys like Kevin Garnett, Stefan Marbury. He said something about Tom Thibodeau when he let go of Tom Thibodeau a couple of years ago. Well, a year ago. This is a man that never holds back on what he says. But the one thing he held back on is the one thing that Kevin Garnett will not stand for, and that's being a snake. When you tell somebody, I want you to come back to my organization, I want you to retire as a Minnesota Timberwolf, because you were the main structure of what this organization was when it was an expansion franchise. (laughs) He's still the best player by far they've ever had. And, and I'm not saying – and everybody says, well, how, how has he been an owner of the Timberwolves for 50 years when they, they've, they've been an expansion franchise? He wasn't an owner of the Timberwolves. He's been an owner of professional sports teams for almost 50 years, not just the Timberwolves. Now, I, I look at the Minnesota Timberwolves as an organization and the way it's been run over the years. Now, is this a good, very well-mannered organization? It isn't. They brought in Tom Thibodeau, who I believe was a perfect fit for that organization as a coach, not as a coach and GM. But the only way they could pry Tom Thibodeau away from possibly getting a job with the Knicks or wherever he was going to go, because he wanted to be the Knicks head coach, they had to pay him a lot of money, and they had to offer him the GM position. Which in turn screwed up the organization and eventually came upon guys like Jimmy Butler, who eventually wanted out, was traded away for practically nothing. Now, this organization, which was a very, you know, a year ago, year and a half ago, was supposed to be an up-and-coming organization with guys like Mm -hmm. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Wiggins, Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau, and even, uh, what's his name again, the guy that they drafted the point guard from the Providence team. Oh, Chris Dunn. Yeah, Chris Dunn, who completely failed as an NBA player. I was wrong on him. I liked him a lot out of that draft. When you think about what the Timberwolves have done over the years, how about the year that they drafted two point guards in the first round? This is a team that has not drafted right. This is a team that hasn't run an organization right, and it has a lot to do with one person and one person only. Ownership. If everybody wants to blame James Dolan for everything. Because that's what it seems like. Everybody wants to blame James Dolan for the screw-up New York Knicks. So this guy's the lesser talked about James Dolan. (laughs) Pretty much. All right. So nobody talks about him because he's based out of Minnesota. The organization hasn't won anything, hasn't gone anywhere, hasn't won championships. The best years of this organization's existence was with Kevin Garnett. And and uh, Stefan Marbury. And even so, that was a short stint, too. So. This organization has not had many superstars. It hasn't. And a guy like Kevin Garnett, at his profiled personality... When you think of Kevin Garnett, you think of his personality... Uh, You remember what he said to Carmelo Anthony on on the basketball courts and in the locker room. (laughs) uh, What did he say? He said his wife tasted like uh, Honey Nut Cheerios or something like that. that. I mean, his personality has changed the sport of basketball. It really has. Guys like him, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, guys of those magnitude, have changed the game. And now you see players like LeBron James and... Uh, Harden, and uh, Russell Westbrook. These are all characters, but not characters like we saw in the early 2000s. Kevin Garnett changed the game. Just like Kobe did, just like Tim Duncan did. There There were three different style of players. Kevin Garnett was a guy that was a great rebounder and had built his perimeter game as the years went by. He was an inside dominance player who was the anchor of the Timberwolves' defense. When he went to the Celtics, he became more of an offensive player. Because then you could spread the offense because you had Ray Allen and had Paul Pierce. His game transitioned the game of leadership, the way he played the game, the eliteness of what he did on the court, changed the game. So did Kobe Bryant with his amazing offensive style of game. His all-around game as a defensive player. His style of game came brought the the style of Michael Jordan back to the league when Michael Jordan retired. And then there was Tim Duncan, the amazing leader, the guy that led a team to not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. World
1: Championships. Maybe the most humble superstar legend you'll ever see. Was the king of banking the ball. He changed the game.
2: But what, what changes all three of these players from one another is personality. And as much as Kobe Bryant would... People would say Kobe Bryant had an amazing personality. Kevin Garnett was on a whole nother level. He was fiery and Intimidating. Kevin Garnett was a different person. We know what Tim Duncan was. We know what Kobe Bryant was. His personality was live, alive and, and loving and, and people, and he was the mamba. Never he, liked to lose. He was intimidating in his own right, but Kevin Garnett was another level. Kevin Garnett took it to another level. And when you hear this story coming out that he doesn't want to wear, he doesn't want to Wear the jerseys to the hall. The wear the the Timberwolves jersey to the Hall of Fame. He doesn't want his jersey raised in Minnesota because of the ownership and the organization. That says a lot about an organization that had arguably one of the best power forwards of all time.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if he's going to be able to have control over winning a argument maybe did not put it up, but he's not going to attend any events or alumni stuff that they're going to do from now on. No,
2: he said he does not want his jersey being lifted. Mm
1: -hmm. Again, I don't know if he'll be able to do that, though, because, again, he is the best player by far in their franchise. If he
2: doesn't go there, what is the point of lifting a jersey? If he doesn't go to the event, why even waste your they time? They might they
1: might even do it anyway just cuz they don't have anything else in that well, franchise. I
2: don't know if he's going to be going to anything with that franchise. No, I'm not saying soon, he would. Unless the owner comes up and actually apologizes what he does to what he did to Kevin.
1: Agreed. I'm just saying there's going to be so they're so desperate to just have that legend just because they're such a young franchise that's been dysfunctional for the most part that they might even do without him.
2: <laughs> Charlie, actually, I'm reading what everybody is writing. And by the way, you can write us on Facebook right now because we have a computer that we can actually read what everybody is writing us. So right now, I'm, I'm going, I'm um, there I am. Charlie Rose, top five hardest NCAA
1: college football stadiums p- to play in. Wow, that is an interesting question. I mean, most of them, again, correlate with the the great teams, I think, for the most part, Charlie. Uh, SEC stadiums probably being the most. I think Texas A&M, when they were in the Big 12, was one of the biggest ones, but they haven't been since the SEC. And then if you want like a sleeper one, Boise State's really been tough for a while, too, even though they obviously don't play the same level of competition.
2: LSU is a hard place to play. LSU to. is, too, yep. LSU is mm-hmm. a very hard place to play in. I would say the hardest place to play in, and I've heard this from many NFL players over the years, LSU is one of the hardest places mm-hmm. to play in because of the crowd, the fans, and really the the way the stadium is set up, the the roar of the crowd, how the crowd is on top of you. It's a completely different place than a lot of other places. So UST, USC too.
1: USC, I think they've lost a little bit of it, but yeah. they used well, to be Well, because of how bad they've been over the years. Oh, the, yeah, and the Pac-12 as a whole really hasn't had the same firepower with USC and then with Oregon for a while. They really haven't had that same firepower. They're a balanced conference, but they're not really that same powerhouse that they were in the, in the 2000s. So those stadiums, they're probably still up there, but I don't know about top five anymore. You're really looking at a lot of SCC stadiums and Ohio State as well they're always tough to play. And some of the big Ten ones are, you can list them there for in crowd environment, but teams like Michigan and Penn state have lost big games there too, though. <laughs> and going back and, and you, you heard it from Speedy, You heard it from me. Those are the, to me,
2: those are the top colleges. It, what I've heard over the years, hard, hardest places to play in for NFL players. But, I, I didn't even know that about Boise State, by the way. But they're,
1: they're a very tough one. I, again, different scheduling, but they're, they're a very tough environment. I think they've only lost like two home games in the last ten years or something like that.
2: But what I really – looking at this story with Kevin Garnett, you could only sit there and laugh as a fan because you think the Knicks are the, the biggest laughing stock in the NBA. But there are other organizations like the Timberwolves that there is not one Knick player. There is not one Nick player that has been invited to being, uh, raising their jersey and being retired as an all-time Nick that has ever said no to James Dolan. There's not one. Not even Charles Oakley, who is never going to be raised in the Rafters. Because I don't think Charles Oakley, as much as he was my favorite player growing up as a New York Nick fan because of his rough and ruggedness, I don't think he was good enough to be in the Rafters. He wasn't an all-time great Nick. He wasn't. Anybody that knows the Knicks knows that. But he was a rugged player, and he brought he brought you a
1: personality that New Yorkers could respect. Plus, it's also a Madison Square Garden. You want to have the greatest of the great up there. Not necessarily just... I mean, Oakley was a great player in his own right, but he more like you said, a fan favorite. So maybe that has more magnitude to it, too. That's why I'm saying with the Timberwolves, they don't really have that kind of mantra. They're, they might be desperate just to get anything up.
2: Well, I, as much as you have a mantra... You have Stephon Marbury, who is really the king of China. This guy is the biggest superstar over there in Asia. And you had him for almost seven years of his career. His greatest part of his career was with the Timberwolves. Why hasn't the ownership reached out to Stefan Marbury and said, listen, we want to retire your jersey in Minnesota? It never happened. It never happened, and now all of a sudden Kevin Garnett has come out and said that they can say or do whatever they want. I am not going. I am not going to Minnesota. I do not want my jersey raised up in the rafters, and if they raise it, I will not be there. So saying that and calling the ownership and the organization a snake organization only tells you one thing. If he's not going to do it, what makes you so sure that Stefan Marbury wants to do it? And that's where, who are you going to put, Ricky Rubio up there? (laughs) Is that what you're going to do? Is that what you're trying to figure out? Come on. What's up, Josh? I see Josh on. Thanks for all the guys tuning in on Facebook and throughout the country on all the different uh, platforms that we are live right now. RTF Sports Radio. Thank you for uh, nominating our show below the mic. And hopefully we win. We're two weeks late. But anybody that wants to vote, please go to RTF sportsnetwork.com. RTF sportsnetwork.com and vote for me and Speedy Petey below the mic. Hit vote on the top and hit below the mic and vote. You can vote every day. You can vote on all your devices. You can vote on your iPads, your computers, and your phones. So please vote for us. If you're not, RTF sportsnetwork.com. Hit vote. For the top show of the month. And hit below the mic and vote. We'd really appreciate you guys voting for us. But uh, again, back to Kevin Garnett. I, I, I look at the NBA as a whole. And I thought that the Knicks are so dysfunctional. That players will not go over there. And want to be affiliated with the New York Knicks organization. And they wouldn't go over there and get their job. You know how many times. You know how many stories I heard with the Knicks. With Patrick Ewing and James Dolan. There were so many stories that came out. That Patrick Ewing couldn't stand James Dolan. Couldn't stand him. He never wanted to be traded to the Seattle Supersonics. Never did. Mm -hmm. It was James Dolan that made them. They forced the GM at the time to rid Patrick Ewing in 1999 after that season. Did they make the finals without him,
1: too? Or
2: He was a part of that team. He was part of he that was team? Okay. He was hurt. He okay, was hurt. He was playing here and there. But he played in the
1: playoffs, but he was not 100%. Okay, better. that's what it was. I wasn't He was far sure. from 100%. Uh, last Knicks team, then only eight seed to make the NBA finals. Yes. The crazy
2: thing about this story is it's not the Knicks. It's Minnesota.
1: Who would have thought?
2: Who would have thought that not just the New York Knicks, it's the Timberwolves. And, and there are a lot of dysfunctional teams in the NBA. I mean, Orlando has been a dysfunctional oh, team <laughs> for years. For years, okay? The LA Clippers have been a
1: dysfunctional
2: team for years.
1: For pretty much their whole franchise history okay. until, uh, until like probably... New ownership and, like and bringing
2: yeah. Doc Rivers in and, and building a championship and bringing in an owner that understands what it is to keep your mouth shut and let the, the real smart guys, those real basketball minds figure things out. But I'll, I'll tell you this right now. If I was right now a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, I would write to Kevin Garnett and beg him. I would beg him to come back and be there even though because even though the the ownership is still what it is today and it, and he doesn't like the ownership in the organization as a whole. If you're if you're a Timberwolves fan and you respect I see right when I watch Minnesota uh, Timberwolves uh, games on TNT or I'm watching the Timberwolves on the Sports Network, I they're all wearing Garnett jerseys still. Garnett is still a popular player. He really is. And the fact that Kevin Garnett does not want his retired jersey up there in the rafters in Minnesota is a shame. It's a shame for the organization. It's a shame for ownership. It's a shame for the NBA. And not even the, the, one of the worst organizations run, the New York Knicks, have players... That said, if they they were offered to have their jerseys raised in the rafters, even though they hate James Dolan, I guarantee you, if Charles Oakley had a phone call from James Dolan or a publicist or or the Madison Square Garden that they're going to raise his jersey into the rafters, there's not one, there's not me or you could not would not believe that Charles Oakley wouldn't go over there and get his jersey uh, raised in the rafters. Because I absolutely believe Charles Oakley, no matter what he said about the New York Knicks as an organization and as a whole, he would absolutely go there and have his jersey raised. Yes,
1: you can like the Knicks and not like James Dolan. It's not hard.
2: (laughs) So, thinking that and seeing that could only tell you one thing. It could only tell you one thing. So, that is the problem right now where I see the New York Knicks and what the New York Knicks are and, and that's the big problem right now where the Timberwolves are. The Timberwolves... Are an organization that is a laughingstock, and and like I said, if Kevin Garnett is coming out and saying these things about the ownership and the organization as a whole, and that he was promised all these things and were not were not given those promises when he went and he signed back with the Timberwolves, and then he was sitting on the bench. Remember what the Timberwolves did? They had him sitting on the bench because he wasn't one hundred percent, and then he eventually retired. So the Timberwolves and the ownerships, the ownership got what they wanted. They got Kevin Garnett back. And then they offered him an, uh, an organizational position and they didn't give it back to him. They didn't give it to him when he retired. So that's right, I forgot, they lied I forgot about his
1: second stint there. Mm-hmm. It's weird. But <laughs> anyways, we're gonna go not surprising. Quick, we're gonna go
2: to a quick break. Remember, our number is 631-965-4990. You can call the show. When we come back, we're gonna get into some NFL talk and we're gonna get into our NFL AFC and NFC West draft and where we think they are rated in this year's free agency market here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
2: Everybody knows who Pearl Jam is. Even Flow, baby. Eddie Vedder, world's greatest singer. I'll tell you, one of the top singers of all time, rock and roll, alternative rock. Wherever you look at Pearl Jam, you look at Eddie Vedder. Greatest voice, one of the greatest. Him and Freddie Mercury. Unbelievable voice. Unbelievable. Yeah, 631 965 4990. We were at break and my nose started bleeding, so I ran to the bathroom and I uh, stuffed a tissue in my nose. We're back. Live here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network studios, as you know, Speedy PD Errol Marks here, live. As you know, WorldwideSportsRadio.com. You can follow us. Go to our, go to all our social medias. If you're not following us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, you can find us Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And our app will be out probably in about a week. I'm hearing today. I heard a week. So this is, this is big news for us, all the fans out there, all the people that follow us, as you guys know. Uh, Josh, who is a good friend and also an analyst and a big-time New York Jet fan, asked me, what did I think about the Jets' offseason this year? And we talked about this last week. And I, I will get into this because uh, you asked that, Josh, and I'm going to give you my – my whole answer to this. And I look at the Jets as an organization right now. They needed offensive line help. And you knew bringing in Joe Douglas, you knew that was what he was looking at. He was looking at beefing up the front line. Well, he did that this offseason. Good contracts, contracts that you can, if they don't work out, you can get rid of next year. That's what I love about these contracts is the fact that there weren't five, six-year deals where they're guaranteeing you $50 or $40 million or 40000000 dollars What he did is he brought good offensive linemen, not superstar offensive linemen, good offensive linemen, roughneck offensive linemen to help give the Jets that edge at the offensive line.
1: Versatile offensive linemen too, which is the big key.
2: Bringing in Font was a good move. The reason why is you plied him away from Seattle. Seattle loved him. The fans loved him. And also, eventually, move him at the right tackle position where he would fit perfectly like a glove for the New York Jets for the next three years. He's twenty-seven years old. He gives him, he gives the Jets athletic ability at
1: that position. This is a guy that played tight end in college. So he played basketball too. He yes, he put on I think forty pounds from what he was his rookie year to what he is now. Yeah. So
2: I, I like the I like the move with Font. I also love McGovern, who I thought. I didn't think the Jets were actually gunning for him. And they brought him in, and I think it was a very, very good move. They got him on a good contract, $18 million guaranteed. Uh, I think it was around it was 30. years, 27. Yeah, almost $30 million. I like the move by the Jets. If he doesn't pan out, you get rid of him. But now you bring in a, an eligible top seven, top eight center that can help Sam Donald develop. Give them that opportunity to grow as one. And that's what I, I, I love about what the Jets are doing right now. Then they bring in uh, Von Rotten, who, who everybody says, well, who the hell is he? He's a guy that played for the Carolina Panthers over the years. He's a guy that nobody even talks about. Now, is he a starting offense? We don't know where these guys are going to fit on this offensive line because we don't even know if the Jets are done. We don't know if the Jets decide to draft a left tackle in the first round or a left tackle in the second round. We don't know where they're going to go with that. That's why this makes this these acquisitions even more interesting. Because they didn't bring in just two offensive linemen. They brought in four. And they still have Harrison there. And they still have Brian Winters there. So they're stocked. And you have to stock at those positions. Because those positions are not guaranteed for people to stay healthy. I'll tell you this right now. Everybody could say, and I don't care what Jeff says, because Jeff called up yesterday and he said his his stupid garbage stuff that he always says. And he he has nothing good to say about the New York Jets and what the New York Jets do or say or even give a crap about. The Jets made quality moves for quality players and didn't overpay guys like Robbie Anderson. (laughs) That's what the Jets did. They brought Perriman in. Because he's the same type of player as Robbie Anderson. He's just cheaper. And you only signed him for one year. You can get rid of him after next year and bring in a top wide receiver if he becomes available. You don't have to overpay a wide receiver, a veteran wide receiver. You get a
1: guy almost the same age as Robbie Anderson that could do the same things and probably even more versatile. He's more versatile. He's His hands are probably slightly better He's had drop problems too, so it's not like it's every great by any wide receiver except Larry
2: Fitzgerald or
1: Julio Jones. Well, okay, but again, the, you're judging elite receivers. I'm saying he's had a history of drop problems at times, as has Anderson. But again, they're slightly better. And but we're not talking wise, about elite production. Receivers. No, I know that. I'm just saying production-wise is where Perriman's a lot better too. When he got the opportunity, he was a lot more consistent in that. Can't say healthy. Well, of course. I'm just saying when he got the opportunity, he was a little more consistent. When he was with Cleveland, he had to, again, get up the depth chart. But when he did play in the second half of the season, he was very good. And last year at Tampa, he was a third receiver, but he was a consistent third receiver. The whole goal this
2: offseason was to protect Sam Darnold. Make sure you protect the franchise. That's what he did. He found guys to protect the guy that they believe is the franchise of this organization moving forward. Now, the question is, did he pick the right guys? Only time will tell. And if he didn't pick the right guys, they will be gone next year because they only gave him certain contracts that are only affordable for really one or two-year contracts and you get rid of the third year. If Font doesn't really work out for them this year, they only gave him $16 million guarantee. They Nope. They could get rid of them. It doesn't really hurt their salary cap. What does it hurt them? Five, six million? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really hurt their salary cap to get rid of them. So in the thought... These were quality moves from a guy that is new to the position who learned through arguably two or maybe even three of the best GMs in professional football. So I I look at what the Jets have done. They've done the right thing. Now, the question is, are these guys the right players and the right fit and the right structure of this team? McGovern thinks that the Jets are moving in a a really special way, and he thinks that this team is going to be a Super Bowl contender. But everybody says that. When the Jets signed Tremaine Johnson, every Jet fan was happy about that. Every one of us was happy about Tremaine Johnson because Tremaine Johnson's a a good
1: player. And he was improving year to year, too, so it was surprising. But, again, he still only had two good seasons, so it could have been a trap, and it obviously was. So
2: so my opinion of what the Jets did, I'd rate them a B, a B-minus this offseason. It could move up to a B-plus or an A-minus, th- depending on how the players really fit and where the players go going th- going forward with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is the key here. If they work very well with Sam and they protect Sam and they give Sam three to four seconds, Sam will be a star quarterback in this league. He will be. So that's my opinion about the Jets. They weren't blockbuster moves. Are you mad about J- Jack Conklin? Nah. Not really. I wasn't really upset that the Jets didn't bring in Jack Conklin. They could have gotten... They gave Fogg $10 million or $11 million a year. They could have given Conklin $14 million a year and got Conklin. Is he a better player than Fogg? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But maybe maybe Conklin didn't want to come to the Jets. How do we know?
1: Yeah, maybe Conklin wanted extra to come to the Jets. Depends on the circumstances. There's no guarantee that just because they match the Browns off that they're going to get it. Other teams have a certain incentives. For different reasons, depending on the player.
2: And Josh also says, also thoughts on Keandre Miller's situation. Does this put the NHL in a bad spot? Well, what is the story about Keandre
1: Miller? I get there was some virtual conversation. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, the, the, Keandre Miller was a victim of racial slurs. Um, really? I, I, I don't know between who. I'm looking that up now. But again, there are a lot of players obviously coming to his defense because of this. Really? I didn't I didn't hear about that. I mean we've heard
2: this we've heard this over and over again about and not just NFL players or, or basketball players or hockey players or football players. If anybody remembers the story, I don't know if anybody remembers John Van Beesbrook is my favorite player growing up.
1: Everybody knows him, the Beezer. Oh, it was a hacker. That's what it was. So okay. a hacker got into one of the the video feeds of the NHL officials, I guess and he was using racial language towards Keandre Miller.
2: Very very interesting. So Van Biesbroek owned um a I guess you could say an OHL team, St. Mary's in Michigan when he retired. And he was the GM and the owner of the organization. He had a an African-American on his team. And he was upset because that particular player was not doing what he wanted him to do on the ice when he came down to speak to him, he spit out racial slurs. Which then cost Van Beesbroek to sell his team and walk away from his franchise. And probably cost Van Beesbroek any chance, any chance of going to the Hall of Fame. And Van Beesbroek, and I'll tell you this straight out, so I would never bring this up to John Van Beesbrook. Never bring this up. When I've interviewed John, I would never bring this up. But I know in John's, John's heart, if that never happened, John Van Beesbrook would be a Hall of Famer. It ruined any chance. America's winningest goaltender of all time. John Van Beesbrook has more wins than any American goalie in history. In history. Now, everybody just wins. He has one of the best goals against out of American goaltending in, in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s.
1: They moved around a lot of different teams, too. So.
2: The fact is, when you, when you spit out racial fl- slurs and you attack somebody with racial slurs, it's a big no-no. It is a big no-no. In professional sports, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Chinese, white, African-American, or anything. I don't care what team. I don't care if you hate the Rangers and you hate Keandre Miller. You do not spit out racial slurs. And I maybe it's a social media thing. Maybe these people just want to be the center of attention and using racial slurs will draw them attention. That's why we shouldn't be giving them attention for right. this. Mm-hmm. But this is something that's sad because this is the way professional sports is. And, and where it leads to could be death, death threats. I mean, this is – it's ridiculous. Sports is supposed to be fun. Sports is something to take us away from our lives. That's what we – that's why we watch sports. That's why we talk sports. It's to take – it's to take our boring lives or our family life. And I'm not saying your family lives are boring. You have kids. Great. grand,
1: Happy for you guys. Right. And again – it's also just a a person issue. It's not really a league issue because it happens in all sports and it happens with all different type of people. You had those Red Sox fans that were saying racist things at Adam Jones. You had uh, you had the who was it? The Patriots fans were saying racist things at Tyreek Hill. They're, it's all just crazy people. It's not a supplement of the league because especially with hockey, with all the different ethnic ethnic groups and countries where people players are born in and coaches and stuff like that. So we know they're not going to be involved. in it. And again, the story was it's a hacker is a hacker that went into that system. So it's just a crazy person. It's a guy that has nothing better to do with his life. So he says derogatory things.
2: Well, again, we don't know who the hacker is. It could be somebody in the league that we don't know. There, there are people that are very good with computers, and maybe they had their own thoughts
1: to whatever they have their thoughts. I mean, it's possible, but again, I, I feel like it's just going to be more of whatever. I I just want to, because again, especially with the what's going on right now, it gives these people that have this weird knowledge and know how to hack stuff more incentive to be able to do that.
2: I just want to apologize to all the Instagram fans. I know me and Speedy are on one feed, and he's backwards on one feed, and I'm. Frontwards and he's backwards. I'm backwards on one feed and he's frontwards. I'll figure that out. This is the first time we're actually using the Instagram feed on dual camera scope, so I'll figure that out. We'll fix it and it won't look like this the next time we are live. Last thing,
1: <laughs> jets and clowny. They're gonna make Errol mad, Joshua. <laughs> Keep
2: on it, Josh. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you here, and I everybody knows I'm a jet fan and I'm an honest jet fan. I want to stay far, 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 far away from Jadavian Clowney. I do not want Jadavian Clowney. I don't care if for. If, Even if his price falls? If, if, if you can get Jadavian Clowney for 10000000 million, I'll take him. 10000000 million, I'll take him. Any more than that, I don't want Jadavian Clowney. Jadavian Clowney, to me, go look at what he did last year on a Seattle team that was a pretty good defensive team. They were a pretty good deal. They weren't great, but they were pretty good. Go look Go look what he did. He had three sacks. Three sacks on a pretty good defensive team. This is a guy that's supposed to... He wants elite money. He wants $17, $18 million a year. You think the Jets should give him $17, $18 million a year when they gave C.J. Mosley all that money last year? And C.J. Mosley couldn't stay on the field. And he's a way better player. A way better player than Jadavion Clowney. But it's also a more
1: premier possession, though, That's too.
2: fine. I don't want a premier play. I don't want a pre, premier pre, um, a premier position with a player that I don't know could play that position for the money that he wants. That's the problem. Jamie Clowney was supposed to be a top superstar in this league. He was supposed to be one of the best players at his position in the league when he was drafted.
1: He was the number one pick. Oh, yeah, we know that, but you can't just the hype versus what he currently is though. Well, what he currently is. We know is he's an overrated. Ma- right. He's we an know, overrated. We know defensive he's player. not going to match that hype, but he's still a productive player. He's still a well-rounded athlete. So athletic so, you're, player. so so
2: you're going to take a productive player and pay him 17 million. million? Oh, he's productive. I'll give him 17 million. He's well,
1: well-rounded. He's He's not versatile. well-rounded. Yes, he's he not a
2: good pass rusher. He's highly overrated
1: at the pass rushing position. He's got 32 sacks in 6 seasons. You think that's good? In six seasons for when he hasn't been healthy? I mean, he's not playing 16 games a year. It doesn't matter. He has 32 sacks in six seasons, or five and a half
2: seasons. Is that good? Does anybody think that's good for a, for a pass rusher that wants $17, $16 million a year, or more than that? But It's, no. al-
1: it's also, again, he, him being able to move around. It's also run defense. It's a lot of different things. It's also his size and age, too. That's why he's going to want it. Will he get it? I don't know. He's Maybe. not getting it. Maybe he's not getting it because he's not been signed yet. Right? Maybe his injuries are too much for, for teams right now, so that might drop his price. But that doesn't mean on the field he doesn't perform. He was in a he was in a slow. He I got off to a slow start with the Seahawks, and again that just didn't work for him. Uh, hold he was on, still on very hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop making excuses for Javon Clowney because Javin Clowney every time you read the stories
2: about about Clowney, he thinks he's the best pass rusher in the league. But he we know still he's thinks, not. Well, we know he's not. But he thinks he is. So if he thinks he is, tell me, Jadavian, if you're one of the best pass rushers in the league, why did you just have three sacks last year on a Seattle team? Oh, and by the way, you played almost 16 games. So you played almost 16 games at, th- at three sacks. You didn't even average a sack every five games. What does that tell you? It tells you you're not as good as you think you are. And as a Jet fan, I do not want to bring in a washed up, know it all player that thinks he's going to fit with our organization when he, we know he's not. Did Muhammad Wilkerson do that? Muhammad Wilkerson had one of the best pass rushing years we've seen a, a pass rusher for the Jets have since John Abraham. The Jets gave him $86 million. And what happened? What happened? He was a bust. They gave him the $86 million, he, he wasn't ever 100%, and he winded up a year and a half later being being dealt by by dropping him. They dropped his contract, he went to Green Bay, and then he was hurt again, he missed the whole season, and he's probably done with the NFL, he got his money.
1: Didn't he have off-field issues, though, after the contract? To... Yeah, I
2: think it was drinking. Yeah, something like that. And then he wanted to sue Manish Mehta, something like that. and. The Daily Post. Oh, the same a... Manish
1: Mehta that hasn't called your show yet. <laughs> well, Manish Mehta has been on our show before. No, I'm just, it seems like he's been a pending guest for like six months now. Well, the whole
2: thing with Manish is he's always busy. But right now, if you reach out Manish Mehta, we can get Manish Mehta on mm-hmm. the show. I guarantee you we can get Manish Mehta on the show. But uh, do we want Manish Mehta on the show right now? That's your call. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll absolutely see. But let's get into it, Speedy. We're going to get into the NFC and AFC West right now. Where do we see these teams now with free agency? And where do we see them in the draft? All Speedy right. first.
1: All right, we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals and the NFC West. Another team I think that had a very good offseason so far. They were the beneficiary of a dumb trade the Texans made. Uh, they bring in DeAndre Hopkins, who arguably is the most skilled receiver in football right now. Or if not, he's top three. They get only give up a second-round pick and a fourth round pick next year, and a guy they were trying to get rid of anyway, and David Johnson, who got paid $13 million a year. And also, they sure up the defense. A lot of the moves on defense are nice. DevAndre Campbell, one year, $8.5 million. A guy that has good speed and can cover. Good man coverage guy. Devon Kennard, good versatile speed rusher. I don't know what type of defense they're trying to play. Vance Joseph has played hybrids in Miami and Denver in the past, so I don't know. And Jordan Phillips, a nose tackle type. Nice Three year deal. He did not pay much. I think it's only six six million, five million million a year. So I think a nice offseason for Arizona so far. Well, offensive line help is the number one priority sp- right, that, that they need. Absolutely. That's still the one area they have not addressed yet. You have to Where take Where are they a- drafting? They're number eight. They have to take a tackle. They're going to get a tackle. No matter who it is, whether it's Andrew Thomas, whether it's Tristan Works, or. Makai Bechton, the kid from Louisville, they have to make sure they get one of those guys, even if it means trading up a little bit to try to steal them maybe from a Carolina Panthers that might need one, or the Chargers if they don't take a quarterback. If that means trading up a little to do it, do it. Do you have the extra draft stock now to be able to work with that? Make sure you have to get a tackle because that line is really bad right now. And the rest of the team is not bad right now. They have running back, they have receiver, they have some good pieces on defense, so they really just need to get off. Well, they
2: stole a receiver.
1: Yeah, they did. They stole a receiver. They absolutely did. So yeah, that's Arizona. I think they've had a very good offseason so far. Let's go now to the Seattle Seahawks. A lot of small moves like we usually see from the Seahawks. They're a team very much like the Patriots. They don't really like to make a lot of big, splashy moves. They did They did in 2013 with the two pass rushers, Avril and Bennett. But beyond that... we got a question not... before you go back. Go ahead.
2: Niffin says, uh, do you think there will be any surprise trades
1: at the draft? Surprise trades? That is interesting. You could definitely see... I, like I said, I think Jacksonville and Carolina are both interesting wild cards. You could definitely see them both trade up and trade back. And again, it wouldn't surprise me that if they if they trade up for something that isn't a quarterback. Nathan, a month ago, I would have said Atlanta, and I wrote an article on that. Atlanta trying to trade up all in for Chase Young. But now with all they purged, I don't know if they can do that anymore. But again, don't be surprised if a team does that. All in for a player like Young or Simmons. I don't. It might not be for a quarterback. And I think, again, the teams to watch for that would be Jacksonville or Carolina for me, if I were to judge that. Maybe the Raiders, they do a lot of crazy things, so I don't know. Those would be the three to watch out for.
2: I would definitely look at Oakland. I mean, you've been hearing stories about Derek Carr. Uh, I don't know if they're 110% sold on Derek Carr. So maybe there'll be a surprise trade I can absolutely see the New England Patriots make a trade for Derek Carr. and I can see John Gruden and Bill Belichick doing that. Derek Carr would fit perfectly in that offense. He really would. Um, I don't know if the Raiders really, really love Derek Carr as their future uh, quarterback. Now, the contract fairly it works fairly for their salary cap and where they, they plan this team to be going to Vegas. But you just never know. I, I mean, you heard stories about Vegas probably going after Tom Brady, but... million a year was too much for them to handle, so watch out for Oakland, I can see Oakland making a trade maybe trading Derek Carr there are a couple of teams, I mean, you could go back and forth on who, Baltimore can make trades Baltimore's going to try to move up because Baltimore believes that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, they need to fill in certain spots that can make them a top organization, a a top team, or or another top team that they were last year, I, I, I think that they're fairly good team, so uh, I think that there are other positions that they need to fill in. And if they think that there's a play that could be a game changer, a player that could be a game changer, watch Baltimore and Jaguars, especially the Jaguars.
1: They could do anything. <laughs>
2: the Jaguars could do anything, so watch out for the Jaguars still.
1: All right, so Seattle for me, again, they've done a small moves. They're a lot, again, they're a lot like the Patriots, where they don't make a lot of huge moves. Jaron Reed, we're bringing him back. Very underrated interior defensive lineman. Two years, $23 million. I think the only reason it wasn't longer uh, in terms of the length of the contract was because of the suspension he had last year for his, uh, I think it was some drug issue that he had. Was it you? Were you the drugs? I am not the drugs, no. Well, you look like a drug. (sighs) Of course you think The ladies think that you are a drug. Sure, we'll go with that. But again, everything else really just small moves. Greg Olson, not a bad gamble. I mean, if you can get... Anywhere you could get maybe even him playing just more than half the season at this point. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good move. I think he's a better fit than Jimmy Graham ever was there. Better blocker. And again, good just a security blanket type guy. Uh BJ Finney not a bad versatile lineman either. But again, everything else really is just small moves. Uh in terms of the draft, they tend to like to trade back all the time, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did that again. They're gonna to have to keep addressing defense. I think they still need some help in that secondary and pass rush as well now again they're at the team unless they bring him back losing Clowney and ziggy ansa so far has been a, a bust as a pass rusher he really didn't even play much for them at all so they have a lot of big pass rush holes offensive line's been a big hole and secondary i think that's where they're going to go in. Receiver has been was a big hole for a while for them but i think that's a little more shirt up yeah i had a better year from lockett a good year from metcalf for the most part so I think their offensive skill players for once are actually okay. So offensive line, D-line, and secondary is where I would focus in the draft if I'm the Seahawks. And again, there's a lot of good corner depth, a lot of good back-end safety depth where they can finally first, early second, especially if they do trade back. The Niners, okay, they traded to Forrest Buckner, which again, I don't, again I like that trade for both teams. I think the Niners got the 13th pick in the draft, and I think they did that to get something they need a little more, whether it's a receiver, whether, whether it is a corner, they they did it for something they're going to need more. Because they have enough pass rush depth as it is. Their defensive line is still very good. Even some of the rotational guys are very good on that team. So I think that's why they did it. I feel like they're going to try to get a receiver at that pick. Maybe even trade up. Or if C.D. Lamb or somebody like that falls, they're going to end up with one of those guys. I think that's why they did it. Or a corner. Maybe they trade up for somebody like Okuda if he falls. Again, maybe they trade. Maybe they could draft somebody like a C.J. Henderson or a Christian Fulton. Because those are the two biggest needs, really. But I think that's why they did it. And they have another pick to do that. So maybe they trade the two ones and they even go up even further in the draft. So I like that move for, for both teams, even though I think Buckner's a really good player. Armstead, five years, $85 million. I think they overpaid for him a little bit. I like him as a player. He's a versatile guy who can play both inside and outside on the defensive line. Good power rusher. $21 million and forty million. 21 million dollars a year and 48.5 maybe a little much though and especially when they have to pay other guys coming up they're a very young team that could make it harder especially with the contract already for garoppolo uh small moves beyond that ben garland one year 2.25 million he was a center with atlanta when shanahan was there i think that's why they did it. and travis benjamin same kind of thing as what they already have just a bunch of small speed receivers that can also be running backs uh, in the draft, like I said earlier, receiver and corner, I think, is really the areas they're going to look in. If C.D. Lamb somehow falls to 13, don't be surprised if that's where they're picking. Maybe interior offensive line as well, but otherwise, I think it's really going to be receivers and corners. at the deep corner draft, you've heard me list the guys already for how deep it is. So that's the Niners, and lastly, the L.A. Rams. They don't have much to work with at all, whether it comes to cap space or draft picks, so they're, they need a lot, and... It's because they've spent a lot of money in certain player areas and they haven't been able to create holes. I like the move for Leonard Floyd. One year, $10 million. Kind of a prove-it deal for him. He had a down year last year, but still is a good young pass rusher. Could be a good hybrid and, and outside linebacker type. Sean Robinson. Kind of a weird fit for the Rams, but again, he's a good pass-rushing type defensive tackle. They bring back Michael Brockers. And they re-sign Andrew Whitworth, which is key, too three years though which is surprising for somebody I think 37 years old well
2: they signed him for three years but he's not staying with them for three years probably stay there for another year if he has a good season he'll stay there for another year but if he has a bad year he'll be done
1: alright so the Rams again draft pick wise they're not going to be able to do much I think they have two thirds I think that's the first spot they pick in the draft because they traded. For by the, the first, way that Leonard Floyd second, move was a great move I, 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 I like that move too Uh, Back end of the draft, I mean, you have to hope maybe that there's some good interior offensive linemen. Because, again, their tackles aren't terrible. Again, Whitworth's really good. And Rob Hovenstein, when he's healthy, is not bad either. But, again, the interior is where it's a big issue for them. And we've seen the Rams' offense get exposed pretty badly when you can pass rush them from the interior. It's not the same. I don't think they care about that, Speedy. Just go
2: into why and what they need to do to make them a better team. That's it.
1: So, interior line I think, and linebacker is the other one. They lost Corey Littleton, and their run defense has still been really bad. Their secondary is okay. They could probably live with it for now in terms of their safeties, but the linebackers are definitely where they're going to have to help, so they're going to have to help find gems. So you got him? Yep. Alright. Who do we have first? Arizona.
2: The Arizona Cardinals. You know, it's interesting. Speedy was mentioning, well... What did they do this offseason? The biggest acquisition, I believe, this offseason in the NFL, besides Tom Brady, was the trade of DeAndre Hopkins. David Johnson going over there to the Texans, and DeAndre Hopkins going to the Arizona Cardinals, giving Kyler Murray a weapon, a weapon that he's never had, a weapon who I believe could be the best wide receiver in football right now, when healthy, and in the prime of his career. I think it was a terrible trade. I think the Texans will regret getting rid of DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, but uh, it was a good move. Bringing back Kenyon Drake, who I believe was one of the best running backs in the second half of the season, going to Cardinals. I really think he fits that offense. He fits that mold. They need to have offensive line help. That's what they need. That's been their weakness. So that's where I think they go. Devin Kennard is a good player, good linebacker, not a great linebacker. Uh, we'll see what he does with that three-year deal. I think it was a, very, it was a valuable contract, a value contract. We'll see what he is, but... That's what I think about the Cardinals. Um, the next team.
1: Oh, you want to do the draft for the Cardinals?
2: No, I just said I, they need offensive, offensive line, line help. Off. I, I don't I don't go over and over again with what you do okay. to speed. All right, so I, Seattle. I, you take too long and you, you, you go into too much depth. We're trying to get through this. It takes up the whole show. The Seattle Seahawks. Philip Dorr said, wide receiver from the New England Patriots. Nothing big. Will he fit with Russell Wilson? He does fit the Russell Wilson mold, the small fast, wide receiver. Could he blossom with Russell Wilson? Absolutely. We'll see what he does with Seattle's offense. Seattle's offense has been very, very uh, multiple-dimensional over the years. Bruce Irvin uh, expected to sign with the Seattle Seahawks. Bruce Irvin, his best part of his career was with Seattle when he was drafted. Maybe it really elevates him, but the big acquisition this offseason was Greg Olson. I think he's been... I I think he's going to be a steal right now, one-year deal. I don't know why Carolina didn't bring him back. He's been one of the best tight ends in football for the last, I don't know, five, six years. Can't stay healthy. He's had problems. But if he stays healthy, even though Seattle does not, and and Russell Wilson over the years has not really thrown the ball very well against two tight ends or top tight ends, Greg Olsen, I think, is a different player than Jimmy Graham. So I like that move. As far as uh, what Seattle needs to do, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. This is what they've been lacking the last couple of years. They bring in Jadavion Clowney. David Clowney did not do the job. He's no longer going to fit with Seattle. That's why Seattle is not going to re-sign him unless they get him on a cheat. So that's where I think they should go. Next team. Right there, the Niners. <laughs> the Niners? I think the Niners made some mistakes this offseason. Not bringing Bruckner back didn't make any sense. I understand they brought in a first-round draft pick out of that. But you don't know what that first-round draft pick is going to translate into. So... You know what Bruckner is. You know what this team... this B- uh, Buckner, right? The Forrest Buckner, yeah. Buckner. I said Bruckner. Buckner... Buckner um, I-, I think Buckner fit very, very well in this defense because Joey Buster coming of this team, changed the defense, changed the defensive line for the better. I think this was one of the best defensive line, if not the best defensive line in football last year. Why would you get rid of that when it took you all the way to the Super Bowl? It made no sense. But they decided to go that way, and... I, Travis Benjamin is just another fill-in position. They really didn't do anything this offseason that really st- stood out. As far as the, the draft is concerned, wide receiver is the important position they need to look for. They went after Emmanuel Sanders. They gave up a lot of draft stock because of him. He really didn't do what he was supposed to do in the Super Bowl or in the NFC title game. So I, I think that was a bad trade. So that's where I think they need to go. Wide receiver is the most important position for them. And what do we got right now? The Rams. The Rams. Uh, the big acquisition they made was Leonard Floyd. I think he's a good edge rusher. I was very surprised Chicago let him go. This guy was drafted two or three years ago. He, I do believe he has elite talent in the right scheme. Wade Phillips is no longer there. It might hurt his development. Andrew Whitworth, very interesting move, bringing him back for three years. The only way he was going to go back to the Rams is if he got this contract. I, even though this contract, $12.5 million guaranteed, They can get rid of that contract after next year if he really isn't the player they think he is. Where do they go? Offensive line. This is what this team needs. Andrew Worthworth is not getting any younger. Bring in an offensive lineman, a left tackle, a right tackle that you can transition to a left tackle if he's a right tackle in the league for the next couple of years. So that's
1: the big position I think the Rams need to go after. All right. So now we're on the AFC West. We'll start with the Chargers because they're right here. I think the Chargers have quietly had of very good offseason. They bring in Chris Harris, a nice contract, two years, $17 million, not overly expensive. That's very good for what is still a number one corner in this league. I mean, it's not, not a big need for the Chargers, but definitely will help guys like Desmond King and Trevor Williams and guys like that actually play in their natural positions. And Him and Casey Hayward might be the best tandem in the league right now, if you're looking at a corner duo. Brian Balaga, again, injury-prone offensive lineman, but still a good offensive lineman when he's healthy. Nice move for them. They need tackles badly. I love the trade they made for Trey Turner. They dealt Okrum who really wasn't playing well there, and he's a lot younger I think Trey Turner's 26, and he's a faster guard, and I think that'll help them a lot for what is potentially a more mobile type offense. Limbaugh Joseph, a great move again. Two years, $17 million. They've lacked lung defense for years. And they haven't had that type of nose tackle type, defensive tackle type, since Jamal Williams was there. And he was one of the better ones in the league. And then uh, they lose Melvin Gordon, but they keep Austin Eckler. Again, we'll see if he's the the full-time guy. They might draft another running back to compliment him. We'll see on that. In terms of the draft, they're picking early. Do they go quarterback? I would consider it. If they, if they don't bring in somebody like Cam Newton, I think you have to consider it, whether it's Justin Herbert, whether it's Burrow, if the Bengals surprise everybody and take Herbert. they got to take a quarterback. If they don't want to take a quarterback, they could go offensive line again. They could go linebacker. If they want to trade up for somebody like Isaiah Simmons, that could be definitely something interesting for the Chargers. There's a lot of areas they can go in, and if they don't sign a quarterback, that'll make it – a lot more interesting, too, because they could definitely add one. We'll go to the Raiders now. The Raiders have been active. A lot of minor moves, really, but again, they've had some good moves, too. Corey Littleton is a great move for them. Three years, $36 million. Good man coverage linebacker. Fast to the outside. And the Raiders need that. They have corner issues right now, so something that can help them is a good coverage linebacker like that. A lot of former Cowboys. Malik Collins, one year, $6 million. Not terrible, not great. Jeff Heath. Not crazy about it, but it's depth. Carl Massive, three years, $25 million. Not bad either. And then they bring in Marcus Mariota. It's good insurance policy for Carr. Good backup quarterback. Two years, $17.6 million. Not overly expensive. That's not bad at all. In terms of the draft, the Raiders have two first-round picks. One, I think, is 12, and I think the other is 19. A lot of areas they can go in. I think receiver and corner... Are the two biggest ones, kind of like I was saying with the Niners, because they traded Gary and Conley for the Texans for whatever reason last year. Trayvon Mullen was decent in the second half of the year, but they still need corners badly. And don't be surprised if they take two corners in the first round, too. They take somebody like Henderson, they take Fulton at 19, and double up on that position, because their pass rush did all right last year. Their run defense was actually surprisingly good last year. So focus on that area if you want to go defense, and then offensively, I think receiver would be where they would have to go if they want to take somebody there. If, again, somebody like CeeDee Lamb falls... At 12, it's a possibility they could do that, too. The Chiefs, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, again, they had barely any salary cap to work with. I think at one point they had, like, less than $200, so they really didn't have to do much. Chris Jones, they franchise-tagged. I don't think they'll be able to sign him to a long-term deal, so we'll see if they trade him. Damian Williams, they just picked up the contract for, so, again, they didn't really do much. In terms of the draft for them, they're picking late. Running back could be an option for them, maybe somebody like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Jonathan Taylor at 32, depending on who falls there. If not, they could do that in the second round. Uh, Interior defensive line, if they do end up trading Jones especially, will be key for them. And linebacker, because they have a lot of holes at that position, especially losing Reggie Ragland, who signed with the Detroit Lions. So, the Chiefs have options there, but the rest of their team is pretty good beyond that. And then the Broncos, another team I think that has had a very good offseason so far. Great trade for A.J. Boye, I think, only dealing a fourth-round pick. He gives a good veteran corner to help out that young secondary right now. They bring in Jarrell Casey, which I think is a fantastic move for just a seventh-round pick. They've needed that kind of front three presents on that defensive line for a while. They've had outside rushers over the years. They really haven't had the interior guys, and Casey's the best they have. Glasgow a nice move and Melvin Gordon a really nice move. Only two years sixteen million dollars. In terms of the draft, I think the Broncos, there's a lot of directions they could go in. They could go offensive line if somebody falls to fifteen. They could go corner. They could go receiver. There's a lot of a lot of areas. They could go interior. Maybe they trade up for somebody like Derek Brown, who's a versatile guy, who's a really good athlete. And he could play both inside and outside on that that defensive line. There's a lot of areas the Broncos are going, but they're they're building, rebuilding very nicely, quietly, but very nicely. All right, Speedy. Let me go through this pretty quick. We got the Chargers. We got the Chargers. Well, here's the
2: problem they don't have a quarterback. That's something that they really need to start looking for in this year's draft. Is it Tua? Is it Herbert? It could be either or. It could be Jordan Love, it could be one of these guys. They're going to need that type of guy to fill in uh, big shoes in Philip Rivers, who's no longer there. Um, bring in a Bulga, uh, uh, Brian Bulgar, who is a very good offensive lineman for all, all these years, the offensive tackle, uh, protecting um, Aaron Rodgers all those years. This is a guy that can't stay healthy. When he is healthy, he has been a very good offensive lineman. I wouldn't say elite style, but amongst the top ten. I would say he's ten or nine. He's been a very good offensive tackle, so that was a pretty good move. Austin Eckler, bringing him back. You have to bring him back. He's had a sensational year. He's going to be your number one guy now moving forward, so he is very, very important. Linville Joseph, who I met at the in Miami, very, very nice guy, and we are going to get him on the show in the next couple of weeks. I really like to get him on the show. He agreed to a two-year $17 million contract, uh, $19 million uh, with incentives, which is very, very good for him. I think that was a great pickup for him. A big guy, a guy that can clog up the middle and get to the quarterback, fits very, very well in that defense. And Trey Turner, a good move. We'll see what he is when you, you when you acquire a player like that from a team of the Carolina Panthers. He's a quality player. We have to see what he does on this line, a line that has not been good over the years. What they need to do: offensive line, offensive line, and quarterback. That's what they need. I would go after as many offensive lines that you can. This defense has been very, very good. They lost their starting safety, Derwin James, for a significant amount of time last year. Having him the whole season will be key for their defense to move forward. King took a step back last year. He needs to take a step forward. But I think the Los Angeles Chargers need to go after an offensive lineman or offensive lineman and a quarterback. That's where I think they need to go. Uh The Raiders, I, I like the Nelson Aguilar uh uh, signing. One year deal was worth it. What did it pay him? A million dollars? It says one,
1: exactly $1,047,500. <laughs> that's a
2: pretty good deal for a, a wide receiver that was really Carlson Wentz's number one target for like three years. I mean, he's been a very impressive wide receiver when he's on the field. The question is, he needs to stay on the field. So, one year, $1 million is a pretty good deal in my eyes for the Raiders. Uh, Jeff Heath, uh, a good player. Not a great player, a safety that could fill in certain spots. Getting him for eight million dollars is an affordable. Player uh, Marcus Mariotti was a steal uh, for a backup quarterback. You're gonna need a backup quarterback for Derek Carr, especially if you, you you decide to trade Derek Carr and bring in a rookie. So that's gonna be something that you're gonna have to look at at the draft. I could see that happening. And Jason Witten, Jason Witten is an old <laughs> man who can help the young quarterback out, or the few maybe Derek Carr. He give him a kind of like a blanket for the new season. So. And they have a star wide receiver, uh, wide receiver tight end, in um, Darren Wallet. Darren Wallet. So uh, we'll see how he does his second year with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, where do I think uh, Oakland need to go? That's a good question. Um, I think they still need wide receiving help. They don't need a running back. They have a star running back. Um, offensive line. I, I, you could. You never. You never have enough offensive linemen. This was one of the best offensive lines in football last year, but also early in the season they had offensive line uh, injuries, tons of them. Yeah, Yeah, so they need to stay healthy. They need to, if there's a if there's a if there's a if there's what a, the
1: tackles falls a
2: tackle think? there. But I think they're drafting wide receiver uh, in the draft. I do. I think they're going to go after a star wide receiver, depending on who's there. A Lambs there, a Judy's there. They're going to draft a, a run. They're they're going to get one of those guys. I think they need that guy. Are so. you afraid
1: of them leapfrogging the Jets, possibly, to steal one?
2: No, not at all. You think I trust wait? Joe Douglas. Okay. I trust Doug- Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. Up next, that's where I think they are. Who do we have, Kansas City? Kansas City. Kansas City really didn't have to make any acquisitions or moves. This is a team that was a Super Bowl champion last year. They brought back Chris Jones in a franchise tag. They might trade him. They might keep him and see what they could do this year. Uh, they could go back-to-back years with a championship. This team is still good enough to win. Uh, Antonio Hamilton is a good player, not a great player. He's a fill-in player. There was nothing that was that impressive in my eyes where I think uh, Kansas City made acquisitions this offseason except bringing Chris Jones back and not trading him right away. And made, try to get as much stock as you can for him. But um, where do they go in the draft? Well, like you said, defensive tackle. If they're not going to bring Chris Jones back, uh, they could also go, they could also go linebacker. I, I think that's something that they need. Uh, they've lost linebackers over the years, uh, one being a very popular one last year. Clark had a sensational year bringing him back, bringing him over from Seattle. Uh, he was a big part of their Super Bowl championship, but they need to add defensive help. That's where I think they go. And
1: the Broncos.
2: The Broncos, they have a rookie quarterback that looks sensational in the second half. He was one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've seen in a very long time. Uh, a guy that Mikey C loved he fell into the second round and he thought he was the best quarterback in the draft I beg to differ, I I still think Daniel Jones is the best quarterback in the draft Kyler Murray also looks sensational in certain aspects of his game as well Um, I do think that was a a really bad quarterback class this year, it's going to be a bad, even worse quarterback class really?
1: yes, I think this is I know, I know you're down on Tua, but you, you think the whole class really is going to be disappointing? I think disappointing? the class is bad. I think the class is bad, yeah. I, I, I know you like Herbert, but you're, you're down on everyone else.
2: I think Herbert is the best quarterback in this class. I think Burroughs could be the best quarterback in this class. He's a good leader, but I don't know if his style of game, his body tone, and really his pocket presence, because that's what he is. He's a pocket quarterback. I don't know if it fits the NFL's culture anymore. I think these, these, multiple, uh, these multi-dimensional quarterbacks are better. So I, I don't know if his style is going to fit in the NFL and, uh, now moving forward. I think Herbert could do all different things. He's accurate. He's got he's big. He's strong. He can move inside and out of the pocket. I think he fits better. So um, Denver, it's a good question, man. I I, I, I think Melvin Gordon was a good pickup, but he has to stay healthy. Uh, bringing in AJ Boyer, yeah, he's a good player. He's going to be their number one guy, and and replacing Chris Harris is not an easy task. So, is A.J. Borye better than Chris Harris? Well, he's going to have to prove it. Chris Harris has been one of the best corners in the league for the last five years. So, Shelby Harris is a good defensive tackle. One year, $3.25 million. That was a good deal by them. Uh, Sam Martin, Nick Bennett. Uh, I think these are two guys that will fit to their culture. question is, are they going to make the team um, uh, after OTAs? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what this team... I don't care if you agree to a, a three-year deal with Sam Martin. If he's not good... That's $7 million. It's not a lot for a team. They can get rid of them very, very quick. So they're not big acquisitions. A.J. uh, Graham Glasgow was a, a big pickup for them, and Melvin Gordon. Those are the big pickups. As far as I'm concerned, what they need to go is offensive line help. They lost their center this year. They, they added a center. They added different players to different teams really hand-me-downs to their offensive line. This was an offensive line that was very good for Locke last year. I was very surprised that they didn't offer more to McGovern. I was really surprised. McGovern was one of their best offensive linemen last year. He was a big part of Locke's uh, uh, growth. Um, I was very surprised they didn't bring him back. Instead, he went to the Jets, and it's better for the Jets because he's with Sam Donald. So That's where I think they go. They could also add defensive line help because Von Miller is probably on his way out. So uh, I I do believe that's where they're going. Wolf is gone now. So I I think they need to add offensive line help. So that's where I think they go. And corner. They can go corner too. So there you go. And that is our AFC and NFC West. What we thought in their free agency and what we thought, what we think they should go as far as I'm concerned. In the draft, so there you go. We're gonna to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna get into some more NBA, NFL, and yes, we're gonna get into the MLB. And I've got more to say about our wonderful, wonderful commissioner and Rob Manfred, and <laughs> some of these new rule changes that we're hearing now here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
2: You are such a fool. You know that? That's Speedy Petey, guys. A fool. As you know, this is... (laughs) I still love you, Speedy, but you are a fool. 631-965-4990. The fool is sitting right next to me. Yes. Mr. Vibrator himself, a.k.a. Jellyfish Man, is sitting next to me. As you know, This is the World Wide Sports Radio Network, and this is Down to the Wire. We are live every Monday and Tuesday on Down to the Wire from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at night. Me and Speedy Petey, yes, the airster with the speedster sitting right next to me who is lost in translation, who does not know how to put on or wear a headset. Yes, that's Speedy Petey. And that, my friends, was Nirvana. Come as you are. As you guys know. We are huge, huge Nirvana fans. Anyways, I, I do want to get into uh, baseball. But before we get into baseball, I want to finish up with some baseball. Um, what, what was the story that we wanted to get into really, really in-depth uh, besides the basketball?
1: Well, it was all baseball. It was the the, the spring training thing. It was oh, yes. the pitching thing and the home run derby. Yeah, so yeah, we'll get into really that first. But
2: we'll get into that in a second. But first things first, we have a big fan, a guy that I highly respect who... Follows us throughout the country. He's from New Jersey and he, he has interviewed a lot of big names in the last couple of days. And, uh, he keeps on ticking and keeps on rolling. You can check him out by going to his champagne. Yes. His champagne Instagram and, and looking and he could give you all the information. Mr. Nithin, what's going on, my friend?
0: Hey, what's up guys? And, uh, my Twitter also. Don't forget
2: my Twitter. Too. From there you go. Yeah, well you can you can give that you can give that to all the people uh, in a little while, but uh how are you, man I, I I see that you're interviewing a lot of people. You called me before the show. I like what you're doing I, I you're very, very smart, and I'll tell you why you're very, very smart. This is the perfect time right now where everybody's sitting home doing nothing to reach out. To athletes, analysts, and all different people that are doing nothing. And why not uh, give you an interview? And I think you've been very, very smart. And I love uh, the yeah, interviews and all the different people that you interviewed.
0: Yeah, so, like, so this is, uh, thank you for having me on. But, dang it, Earl, uh, you got, Earl um, you, so I'm going to mention your sh- uh, show today to Homer Bush. So uh, just keep an eye on that. Uh, but... Yeah, so I mean, it's a good way to connect with people now, it's during this sub situation, right? So, so,
2: not one with words, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, Nithin has interviewed, uh, actually interviewed Ed Reed this week. How was it like to interview a guy of that magnitude, one of the greatest safeties of all time, if not a top three oh,
1: safety best safety was, of all time? That
0: was the offer, That was the honor for him, for, him uh, for me to get talk to Ed Reed, one of the former, I mean, best. Uh, defensive backs in the NFL and he's a GOAT so I feel like he's, he's uh, that was a great conversation I had with him
2: he's one of them
0: and, uh, he's like, one of them I
2: wouldn't say he's the GOAT I think he, just like you're, he's I, the best coverage safety of all time well that's your opinion that's not my opinion but he yeah, was a man, great also, safety
0: I had the opportunity to talk to uh, Brandon Jacobs Quinn mm-hmm. Cash um, uh, oh uh, and a couple oh Maury Jones Drew two times mm-hmm. and we were talking about like mock drafts and all, pretty much.
2: Well, I'll tell you this, man. For a person that is, and then
0: today, and then today was Amanda from uh, Celtics, Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then it uh, was you. Actually, it was you. I interviewed also a few times. Yes, and that was that was awesome. And then uh, and then tomorrow we got one. Thursday we got a couple, and then Friday one so far.
2: Well, I'll was... tell you this. Uh, there's a lot of people in this business that do not. Reach out to people, aka Speedy P. D. Who I've told over and over again over the the last couple of months. Reach out to different analysts and this. I know he's busy, and I know he has other things going on for us, and he does all the other work. But um, he needs to he needs to go out there and reach out to some of these people like you do. I think it's a it's a great idea. I think to you. you benefited from it. You've interviewed, like you said, Brandon Jacobs and Ed Reed and all the different guys and, and girls that you've interviewed that are in the business, that have been in the business, if not former athletes, uh, analysts mm-hmm. that are very well-known in the business. I I, I, yeah. I, give you a lot of credit. And, and that's, to me, when you go out there and you put the time and effort into reaching out to these guys, you're going to get them to say yes. And I, I think – the more you put yourself out there, the more people are going to get to know you. So I think you've done a lot of, a lot of good for what people want to do and what people are trying yeah. to figure out and, and really get into while this COVID-19 is really taking over the world.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> it was a great opportunity for all of this to happen. And now uh, just keep we have to keep working at it and, and stay and, uh, at the same time. I'm trying to say active.
2: So, well, again, you're you're doing the right thing. You're, you're you have a podcast, and you can tell all the fans how they can reach you. But um, what did you think of Speedy's assessment of the AFC and NFC West? Uh, uh, one, uh, I mean, you could say it. Speedy's an idiot. Just say it one time with us. I uh, I Nithin thinks Speedy. Uh, ...is an idiot. You right? agree with most of the things I said. Well, you, you, I do It wasn't agree. yesterday. <laughs> I do agree with some of the things that you say, but you say it too much. I mean, you get too much into depth. You really... Sometimes... I mean, a segment goes for 40 minutes when it should only went 20 minutes. I mean, seriously. This has been a problem for me and you uh, since we started this show. So, But I love you, Speedy, again. Uh, and plus, your vibrator's coming out very, very God. soon. And guys, <laughs> you could buy them in stores again... I will uh, post it up. I have actually the picture, the replica of the picture of what it's going to look like. You're going to go to Walmart and Target's near you. All you have to do is we'll get the dates. We'll post it up on can our you- website. And you can get an autograph signing uh, vibrator from Speedy Petey. You guys um, you guys should tune into tomorrow uh, with my interview with Rudy Reyes. Absolutely, I know. Like I said, I know Rudy. Rudy follows us. He's a big fan of us. I like Rudy, and I follow Rudy's stuff. Uh, Rudy, you can mention us and, and tell Rudy I said what's up. Uh, I have a lot of respect for what he did and what he does. He was at Miami. He was in. He was at the Super Bowl. Uh, I had a rough time over there, but he had a very very good time. I, I watched all his interviews, and uh, uh, I give him a lot of credit. But he he's put a lot of time in his yeah. podcast and. and a lot of time in this business to get where he is and you only uh, envy guys that put their time and effort into it and he just newly married too, Rudy so um, uh, nice yeah. guy very, very nice guy
0: mm-hmm.
2: nothing to say over there, huh, Niffin? <laughs> <laughs> nothing to no, no, say no, I'm, trying
0: to, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up for this uh, Homer
2: Bush all right. All need, right. So. well, Niffin, thank you for calling I'll be tuning in with You're Homer no Bush check out Niffin, how did they find you? how did they find the interview?
0: Oh, find me on. Uh, for, um, I'm trying to upload the videos are still uploading, so it, it might take a while. Well, how do they find by the live tomorrow? coverage
2: of Homer Bush tonight?
0: Uh, on Instagram Live, Champagne Yankee Fitness underscore, and then uh, Twitter two one four Yankee, and uh, that's pretty much it. And then, uh, I'm still uploading the videos, and hopefully by tonight or tomorrow, it will be. I will be posting it.
2: So, well, just so you guys know, Niffin has been interviewing Homer Bush. Became very close with Homer Bush. Homer Bush has been on a 30 for 30 show. A uh, couple mm-hmm. it was about five, between five and 10 years ago. And for what, what was the story? What was the 30 for 30? What was it about? Oh, uh, broke. It's all broke. Yes, uh, broke, broke athletes, uh, athletes that have made a lot of money over the years. Uh, Antoine Walker was in it. I remember it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Who made a lot, a lot of money? I made. I think Antoine Walker made over a hundred million dollars, and he lost it from yeah. gambling and and drugs and drinking. Uh, and so, uh, Homer Bush was on it, and he was one of the speakers on the show. So, uh,
1: yeah. Homer
2: Bush is actually uh, interviewing with uh, Niffin tonight at eight o'clock on his Instagram and his uh, Twitter. So, tune in. Homer Bush, who was an ex New York Yankee, won uh, a couple of uh, championships with the New York Yankees in '96 and I think '97. If I'm not mistaken. No, no,
0: 98, 98.
2: 98, 98, 98. So, um, yeah, it was 96 and 98. So he won a couple of championships with the Yankees and uh, uh, wasn't a superstar player, but he was a player that was a part of that team uh, when they had, to me, the biggest and one of the greatest dynasties in professional sports of our era. So uh, yeah. Homer Bush is a very well-respectable guy, and I I, I want to bring Homer Bush on this show very, very soon. Yeah. So uh, yeah. uh, whenever you get a chance to talk to him on the 30, talking about the 30 for 30, get him on, ask him if he, he would be interested in joining us on our show down yeah, to wire.
0: Yeah, I will. Yeah. All right, uh, Nithin,
2: thank you very, very much.
0: Yeah, thank you. No problem.
2: Nithin, guys, you gotta, you have to tune in to his, uh, his show. It's it's a, it's a, like a podcast. He's on Instagram. You can check him on, check it, check him out on uh I think it's champagne something. Speedy, do me a favor. Find out what Nithin's Instagram is and his Twitter is so we can put it in one of the boxes so uh, everybody can find out. So if you want to tune in and and hear his interview live with Homer Bush, like I said, he interviewed with Brandon Jacobs. He interviewed with Ed Reed this week. He's interviewed with a lot of people. So uh, very productive. He's done a lot of productive things so far uh, during this bad, bad time. So uh, a shout out to Nithin. But let's get into the baseball thing. And uh, what was the story that I really wanted to get into when we when we came from break
1: well there were there were three different stories. Did you want to get into the actual spring training thing because you were said you were getting mad about Rob Manfred about something?
2: well, let's get into the spring. We'll go through the, the Rob Manford thing at the end of the show. I want to get into all the stories that you wanted to talk about. So what was the story that we wanted to talk about with the spring training
1: so Baseball has come out to say that there is going to be some level of spring training beginning in May, all in Arizona-based stadiums, all neutral, Arizona-based stadiums. Right, and they're going to do spring training. They they don't have a set date yet, but they project it likely to be something like May 14th or something like that. Okay, and, and a goal to start the regular season mid May or late May to be able to do it like that. They haven't announced anything with the length of the schedule yet, but they said that seven inning double headers will be in effect and obviously no fans and the players are going to not be able to sit in the dugout. They actually have to sit in the stands to be able to do this too, which could make things interesting and delay it a lot. There's also some suggestions of doing the electronic umpire thing, which I know you've brought up. They did that last year
2: in spring training and they did it. They had it a couple of games this year before spring training was canceled with the COVID thing. Uh, they, uh, I call it the COVID thing because I really don't want to talk about it anymore. But um, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. And I I, I I go over this over and over again with the major leagues. They're trying to change the wheel. And Rob Manford, and I understand they're trying to figure out a time where they're going to bring back spring training so you can get the players back warmed up, the pitchers warmed up. Tanaka just flew back to Japan to take care of his family. Tanaka's, you're telling Tanaka you flew all the way to Japan to come all the way back here with everything going on. That doesn't make any sense. I really think the, the uh, baseball should not have another spring training. What I think they should do is pitchers and catchers should go back to Florida, go to Arizona, work their arms out, get warmed up. And, and the players, you know, there's batting cages. There's other things uh, that players could do to get get warmed up for the season. The season's only going to be 90, 90 to 100 games. They're not going to play a lot of games. There's not going to be a lot of games this year. And I know spring training is going to be uh, – they're trying to draw people to watch it on TV. That's why they're not going to have fans in the dugouts. But I'm sure Rob Manford and baseball are going to try to find a way to make money off the TV uh, the TV um, spring training games right. that they're going to be trying to put on Right, TV. especially so
1: that people are going to be desperate to watch any kind of sports at this point. <laughs>
2: exactly. That's why I think that when you look at the big picture, Rob Manford is going to try to find a way to make money any way you put it or, or any way you slice it or dice it. So – I, I do think it's a good idea, but I also think, when is baseball going to start? When, when are they planning to start? Are they, are they really planning to start July 4th? If they're planning to start d- July 4th, how many games are you going to be willing to play? Now, I understand baseball has said that they'll, they'll push the games all the way through November, and the playoffs to start in November. If it starts in November, last November, I mean, it wasn't cold. I, mean, the co- I remember the coldest day in November was 35 degrees. It was one day in November. And it was practically that was
1: later in November though.
2: Yeah, but it was practically in the fifties and the forties. It's still not baseball weather. It really isn't. And it could get cold. It could snow in November. It could affect a lot of playoff games. Mm-hmm. So and, and having the World Series in December? I mean, does that make sense? Before Christmas time? I mean, with baseball I mean i I'm sorry, with foot, um with football going to um, January when when the playoffs start at the end of December January and then you have basketball and hockey starting I think it's just too much sports bunched together as one it doesn't and I understand everybody's going to say well we haven't had any sports for almost a month so why not have all these sports going on at the same time so we have too much sports I understand there's never too much sports but again when you follow all these teams and you're an analyst or or how about this are you just a big huge fan why do you want to watch? And, that, and why do you want to watch baseball, hockey, football, basketball? They try to transition it from one sport to the other sport to the other sport, and then all of a sudden, after that, you have college football. You have the mm-hmm. the, four, the four game tournament in January, and at the end of December, and then you have
1: March Madness two or three months after that. I mean, they're going to have that dilemma anyway, just with the way that their season ends right into football. The problem is again. Because it's later season football and more crucial NFL games and college football games, that's what could make it harder. Now, the thing is with baseball, they have their postseason games during the week, so I don't think it would be affected as much. But in terms of the viewership going that long, I mean, it's kind of a shortened season. Will it be forgotten about? Will it be prioritized? Another question. And that's why I think Rob Manford is trying to... Mix up
2: the wheel. And I'm not going to say change the wheel, because the wheel has already changed. In professional sports, go look at football. Go look at baseball. Go look at hockey. Go look at basketball. Every single rule, there's been changes with the game, the way it's played. Next thing you know it, they're going to raise the basketball hoops to 15 feet, because basketball, it's easier for uh, uh, NBA players to jam the ball, so they want to change that. So <laughs> oh, who knows? My cart's dunking now. Who, who knows? I mean, you have, you have five foot... Four guys dunking the ball now, so maybe they raise the hoop. Who knows what the NBA is going to try to do? Bugsy
1: Bogues will make a comeback.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, with the, all these league-changing rules, it, it, it hasn't helped the league as much as they think it has. Now, in football, it made the game a little bit more faster, made the offense a little bit more better. But did it help the defense? Did it help the game and the schemes or way the game is played? No, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. And in baseball, I mean, all these technology changes – what what did these technology changes do for baseball? Well, it had teams like the Astros and the Boston Red Sox cheat. Now we don't know if the Boston Red Sox have cheated, but uh, there's some there's some thought right now. Of the reason why Rob Manfred has not talked about the fact that the Red Sox are in the midst of maybe being suspended or. or or uh, a GM being suspended, or 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 maybe never
1: get a job. Well, Dobrosky never going to. He's never, already gone anyway, and he maybe probably not get, get a job, job again. He probably wouldn't have gotten a job anyway, but yeah.
2: But just think, well, Dombrowski was a part of that championship team, so he won. Right, but their,
1: he also overpaid for a lot of bad contracts.
2: That's so. Fine, but he won a championship. But again, you have to look at these these things, these different stories that you talk about. Sports goes all back and forth. It, it's like it's like ping pong. Okay, you could put a spin on the ball. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it over the net. It might hit the net. It might not go over the net. So, And if it does go over the net, it doesn't mean that somebody's not going to hit it back to you and, and, and ace you. So I, I think that when you look at sports as a whole and the way the rules are completely changed in the big picture, it doesn't help the game. It makes the game worse. So um, that's why I think this spring training thing, is it is it Rob Manfred's worse Move that we've seen so far. No, Rob Manfred's made a lot of bad moves, a lot of bad moves, uh, and that's why I think he's one of the worst commissioners in professional sports. And he's going, he's right up there. He's right up there with the minst, the, uh, amongst the guys like uh, Dana White
1: or Roger Goodell,
2: because so, these are the Getting guys. They're right. They're right there. They're right mm. there. What is the other story we're going to tell?
1: So that as a result of this, now Justin Turner came out with a comment in this particular shortened season to avoid the wear and tear and toll on players' bodies if they do have to play a length and season, either a regular length season or a lot of doubleheaders, instead of having longer extra inning games, do an NHL shootout type thing and do a home run derby after a 10th inning. Here's what I'm going to tell Justin Turner
2: because he's a professional baseball player and he should only play professional baseball. That's the only thing he should be doing. Stop trying to change the wheel trying to make the game even more different where it doesn't make any sense. Why would you have a home run derby? And I understand fans will love that and they can catch a lot of baseballs and you could put your best home run hitter against the other team's best home run hitter. What happens if one of these teams don't have a home run hitter?
1: Right. How does that benefit them? It, uh, yeah, it's only going to benefit certain teams. And he's on a team that's the best, I think, talent-wise in baseball. It doesn't so benefit. Ma- there right. are a lot of teams in the major leagues that don't have
2: a home run hitter. Mm-hmm. so how does it benefit those teams? There are teams right now. Right now, if you look at the Red Sox, who is their home run hitter?
1: Who's their Devers, home run hitter? Devers, probably. No, is best J, uh,
2: J.D. Uh, Martinez.
1: If he's on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, J.D.
2: Martinez is their home run hitter. Okay. If you go up and down the league, Tampa, who's their home run hitter?
1: Tampa's is probably their third baseman, or their even Darno had a great year last year. They have a lot of more of the other types of hitters.
2: That's what I'm saying. It, there are some teams that you can't even name the, the Yankees. You can't mention the Yankees. They got a lot. Right. They got a lot of home run hitters that can win. The Yankees will never lose. If the Yankees go to over it, what extra innings, overtime, yeah. whatever they want to call mm-hmm. it, they would never lose. If they have Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton or uh, Glaber Torres hitting home runs over the over the the uh, right field wall, a left field wall, that's not fair. That's an advantage. So I, I again Justin Turner should not be speaking, he should not try to change the wheel or change the game. Who cares about your legs? You're making millions and millions of dollars. We don't care about your legs, your hips or your arms. Let the doctors worry about the million dollar doctors that you have over there working for the organization or your or your doctor that you're paying tons and tons of money. Who cares?
1: about your knees and your ligaments. You're making a lot of money. Right, and I also think players now are going to be subbed out more often than usual, and especially with the Dodgers, with all the depth that they have on their team, where they can manage it a lot more. Now, obviously, we don't know what the length of the season is going to be yet, and that's going to change a lot of how teams are managed, but a lot of those teams now, they're managed based on depth, and they will situationally do things based on analytics, where you're not playing the whole game as much anymore, because, again, the managers are being situational. And even Turner, who again, used to be the best player on the Dodgers, probably 2015, 2016 in that lineup, best uh, hitter, I should say. He's not really like that anymore now with other guys emerging, and obviously they got stardom now with Bellinger and Bats.
2: And uh, I'll tell you this, and and I understand that a lot of baseball fans, I'm a big baseball fan. There's a lot of big baseball fans that listen to us every single day. Shout out to Ryan Hickey, who's watching our, our feed right now, Great, great show. If you guys don't check out the Morning Boys, Ryan will, will fix out, will fix your drop very, very soon. Uh, Ryan is the, the lead. He's the guy. He is our morning show. Very, very good show and, and talented, talented guy. And you could definitely check out a show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Our app's going to be out soon. Uh, again, he has a great, great show and, uh, he's, he really puts out great content. So definitely check out the Morning Boys. But I will tell you this. The, The leagues as a whole, and I I understand that the owners want to make more and more money. They want more and more fans to be drawn to their sport. Here's the thing. The more you change the rules, the worse you make the sport. It's always been like that. It's always been like that. And and I'll tell you this right now. Over the years, who who likes football now? Or who liked football in the 80s and the 90s? You weren't alive for the 80s and the 90s. But I guarantee you, if you did a poll right now, I would say 60 to 62% would say old football, the grinding football, the 80s and 90s football, was a better time of football than it is today. Not, to, not the game as the speed of the game and, and the way the money has been made for football players, but really the game as a whole. How's it, has it changed from the defense to the offensive style
1: of games? It's changed. And, it, and, and not for the better. For the worse. Again, the player types are a lot big, bigger, faster now. Athletic types. But again, the rules really skew. For Speedy, s- skew. the line is bigger,
2: faster, smaller. Oh,
1: God. There you go. Got it well, Again, pl- smaller players have gotten advantages now, too. But also, again, the rules really do skew it where it's really badly towards the offensive players. And a lot of corners, a lot of pass rushers really have had trouble, again, just making – good coverage and good hits on a quarterback just because, Oh no, you can't hit there. Nope. You can't hold like this. They're so nitpicking that with the way it is now. All right, Speedy. And what is the other subject? we were All right, And to? the last one is also, again, also baseball related. The Yankees new pitching coach, Matt Blake says that as a result of this potentially shortened or again, disproportionate type season, you're going to see more pitchers on major league rosters than you will ever see before. Now, they do have an extra roster space this year. It is a 26-man roster now, and they don't have the September call-ups anymore. But again, he expects somewhere between 14 and 16 pitchers on a roster in comparison. Normally, you see like 12 or 13. He expects that to be a new normal. That's
2: not new news.
1: We all knew that was going to
2: happen. Baseball is transitioning. And I'll tell you this right now. The starting pitcher is going to die. And what I mean by that is... leagues and and i mean the league has changed and teams are changing and the gms are changing they'd rather pay the top relief pitchers three year deals worth about twenty million dollars than paying a starting pitcher a seven or eight year deal worth about two three three hundred three hundred million dollars so i think the leagues is transitioning and i think this uh what do they call this um when they start all the reliefs, what they call The it? openers. The openers. So I think you're going to see a lot of that this year, especially that the season is, is going to be broken down to probably 100 or 110 games. I think you're going to see a lot of teams play the opener, and I, I do, because uh, you don't have to pr- press with your pitchers, your starting pitchers, and you don't want to wear your pitchers out, especially with a short season where you expect them, and everybody's going to say, well, they pitch 162 games. If they cut it down to 100, that's better for the starting pitcher. Not necessarily.
1: Now, you say the starting pitching is going to completely die out, but don't you also think to an extent that... I'm not saying it's going to die out. I'm saying that owners and GMs are going
2: to look at paying these pitchers that kind of money, money like uh, like the Yankees paid um, Cole uh, $326 million. I don't think the Yankees are going to want to pitch. I don't think any team is going to want to pitch a pitcher... pitcher Who's making uh every every fifth day three thirty eight,
1: thirty seven million dollars. That's fair. I also think though too, because of pitchers getting hurt more often and also there's not as many good pitchers anymore. There's just a lot of like average type pitchers. You still could use them to an extent, those types of ace type pitchers. Now how it affects your salary cap, I don't know. The Yankees getting Garrett Cole, again, you don't normally see pitchers leave their, their team. Most top pitchers stay where they stay where they are for the most part. But again, in terms of the having that guy that could still churn out innings to keep, give other guys rest. Because, again, they can only do this call-up stuff so much, more pitchers on a roster so much, because there is only three minor league call-ups a year and minor league options. So they can only do that so, so long. So I still think they are valuable to an extent. Maybe from a money standpoint, yeah, I don't think it will be. But in terms of the strategy of the game, it's still necessary to some extent to have at least maybe two guys. So there you have it with Speedy Petey and his thoughts.
2: And my thoughts with uh, Rob Manford's situation. Rob Manford needs to stop trying to change the rules of the game. The, the, the game was built, and, and where the game is as a whole has is, is, is been the game for 100 years. And I understand the league is trying to speed up the game and try to speed up the clock. And, and I understand the, you're not going to speed up the game the way they're trying to speed up the game. The way you need to speed up the game is try to get the batters in the box quicker. That's the, that's the secret. It's not the pitchers. It's the batters. It's the hitters. The hitters are standing out of the box, playing with their gloves, wiping their own ass, and then <laughs> going into the box. I mean, it takes too long.
1: It ta- it really drains the speed of the game. Right. That's and the that's the secret. That's what what baseball needs to do. Right. And I also think they're trying to do with the three batter minimum, and they're only going to micromanage that. More or just as much, depending on how your team is structured, too. So you might have less changes as a whole in terms of the amount of pitchers used, but you – you are going to have changes more often, which isn't going to help in terms of trying to keep attention on the game either. So you have those kinds of instances you got to worry about. And again, with rosters developing into depth, you're still going to have a lot more changes than you have been in the past because of the way the analytics have taken over the game.
2: And that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back uh, on Thursday, and our show will begin at 6 p.m., as you know, below the mic. Which, guys, I want you guys to vote for below the mic. How do you do vote. that? Vote. You go to rtfsportsnetwork.com, vote, and hit below the mic if you guys haven't voted yet. Vote every day. You can vote every day on every one of your tablets, your phones, your computers. We're up. Our show is up right now uh, for uh, show of the month uh, below the mic uh, for for three shows. And I will tell you guys this. uh, We started two weeks late from all the other shows, and that's why we're – we were behind. We had zero percent two days ago. We're up to twenty five percent in two days, forty eight hours. The other, the other two uh, shows are at forty. I think it was forty
1: two and thirty three, or something like that. Yeah,
2: so we're we're catching up, and hopefully in the next fifteen days we can catch up and possibly win. So vote for us, R T F Sports Network. Yes, R T F Sports Network dot com. Hit vote. Hit below the mic and vote. Do that every day. On all your tablets, phones, and iPads.
1: And also, within the devices, if you have a, multiple internet browsers, multiple social medias, you're, you can click a link. You can do it like that, too, to get even more votes.
2: There you go. So thank you very, very much, everybody that's voted for us. I really appreciate you guys and hoping to catch up and win. So I, I want to win. I want to beat these guys. I want to beat Twist. And I, I want to beat the other shows. I think we're capable. I think our show is just as good as theirs. love those guys. They're great. Very talented. But I want to beat them. I want to win, so there you go. Shout out to Ryan Hickey. Shout out to Nathan. Shout out to everybody that listens to our show every single day. Tune in on Thursday below the mic at six PM. Yes, hopefully the 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 show of the month on the RTF mm-hmm. Sports Radio Network. Uh, hopefully we win. So we have a couple of days, fifteen more days to uh, try to catch up to the other teams or the other shows. Anyways, that's it for our show. This is Arrow Marks and Speedy PD, and down to the wire saying we will talk to you on below the mic on Thursday. Until then, this is Errol and Speedy. Good night.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.